This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the host will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sarah, and you're listening to episode four. What do you get when you bring together skydivers, a red carpet, CO2 cannons, Lamborghinis, Maseratis, and kids with special needs? Well, that, friends, is Joyride. On today's episode, we're talking to Kat and Blair Cornell, the founders of the nonprofit organization Joyride, a car club exclusively for kids with special needs. Blair dreamed up the idea for Joyride in 2016 after seeing how much his son Carter, who has special needs himself, loved cruising around in Blair's convertible. The Cornells and their army of volunteers have now hosted five Joyride events and more than 300 kids with special needs have participated. The organization has not only earned regional attention, but the national spotlight as well. Walmart recently featured Joyride in a commercial. In this episode, you'll hear about the grandiose things Joyride offers kids with special needs, but you'll also hear about Kat's trying journey through her pregnancy with Carter and how a debilitating condition prevented her from eating for six months. Then, in the midst of that trial, Kat discovered her unborn baby would have special needs, and doctors weren't even sure he'd survive. You'll hear an interview filled with heartache, trials, triumphs, and of course, joy. And I should mention this episode is near and dear to my heart because Blair and Kat are my brother and sister-in-law and little Carter man is my miraculous nephew. I volunteer at Joyride events and I can tell you firsthand the impact Kat and Blair are making on the special needs community is far greater than these two may ever know. Enjoy my conversation with Kat and Blair Cornell. All right, guys. Well, we're here with Blair and Kat. Blair's already trying to find a place to put his wine (laughs) this this might be one of those sort of episodes where the wine glass clinks a lot in the background (laughs) because we all have glasses so let me just paint the picture for everyone who's listening uh where we are this is um my office with Blair and Kat Cornell you guys can say hello now hello hello and we currently have under one roof seven children (laughs) who we hope are asleep but it's quite possible that they may not be. So we may get visitors during this recording. It's possible. Probably doubtful they're sleeping. <laughs> We've got all the boys in one room, the girls in the other, the baby by himself. And what could go wrong? Yeah. Right. Cousin sleepover. <laughs> what could go wrong? Cousin sleepover. So a little bit of background for everyone. Um, Blair and Kat Cornell, founders of um, Joyride. And Blair is my brother. 20 months my senior and um cat is my sister-in-law and uh blair and i grew up in dayton ohio um we have another brother don't want to forget about him patrick and um we are all very close the three cornell kids i would say do you think that's Uh, yes i oh cat accurate (laughs) (laughs) very close i love it yeah we're very close and blair and i grew up maybe with a more love-hate relationship in the elementary, middle school years. And then we got, you know, we're very close in, co- in high school. 
in college, especially. Um, and I um, am very fortunate to have these two in my life. And um, Casey and I are very lucky that Blair and Kat are now our very good friends also, besides just being our brother and sister-in-law. So. Although we weren't such good friends in high school, occasionally when I'd have to drive you to school and you'd leave your dirty dishes in the car. Dirty dishes. I mean, like a paper plate. So Blair is very particular. No. Okay. I'd say I'm particular. <laughs> yeah, very particular. So we would like start out. I mean, I was running late a lot as, you know, 16-year-old girls do as I was getting myself ready for the day. Yes. And I would come out with my like bagel with butter on it. And Blair would tell me like, you can't get in my car. It's just rude. You're late. You're bringing your food. It was rude. He also had a rule that I had to have my shoes on in his car because he had this theory that if I was wearing my socks, they would carry more dirt on the bottom of them. That's not a theory. That's just a fact. And therefore, like the dirt on my socks would stick to the bottom of his floor and of, of his, like the car. And um, but my shoes, the dirt on the bottom of my shoes wouldn't do that. So the rule was you had to have your shoes on before you got in the car. Well, of course, Th think about this. If you have white socks, you walk through a garage. Then next time look at the bottom of those socks. Do they still look white? Probably not. I'm not sure I back you on this one, Blair. Well, that's a little weird. That's it was weird rule. it was weird. He right. also used to like wipe off the bottoms of his shoes and put them back in the box. <laughs> that's like what I think that's like what serial killers. do. I just take good I care of my things. On Moving on. Yeah, okay, so moving on, moving on. Now that we know either. that Blair is uh, a little bit of OCD, we've established that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how, let's just kind of go backwards before we go forwards and talk about how you two met. Uh, Kat, tell us a little bit about your family, how long you guys have been married. Okay, so we met at OU, Ohio University in Athens. The Bobcats. The Bobcats. We met our freshman year, probably our first week at school in the laundry room, believe it or not. That sounds dirty. It sounds dirty. This but is a clean it truly podcast. was not. It, <laughs> it's, it's a clean story. I thought Blair was a nerd because it was like the first week of school and he's down there studying. Well, I immediately had to do laundry because I had bought brand new or my mom had bought me brand new navy blue towels and I had taken a shower the first night in college and head out for the night and I had toweled off with my navy new blue towels and I was covered in navy blue lint so mom right then and there I realized I needed to your mom didn't wash your towels no for you she didn't and she I didn't really know how to, to use a washing machine so that's where I started targeting my friends such as you that I met that's true yeah and I taught so, him how to do laundry thank you so, I appreciate that you're welcome thank it's really a gift to myself now coming full circle, circle now that we're married. Um, so we met the first week. We were friends for about two and a half years before we started dating. So um, I just did it. So anyways, we we were good friends before we started dating. And it was, you know, kind of history from there. We were together ever since. I moved straight to Dayton um, from Athens, which was amazing and such a dream come true to be with my boyfriend. In Dayton. Dayton. Holla. The yes. booming metropolis that it is. Oh, yes. So now we have four beautiful children. A girl, Caitlin, who's almost 11 any day now. Carter, who is eight. And then we have twin boys, Brady and Davis, who are five. Blair, anything you want to add to the family there? It's insane. But yeah. it's awesome. It's big time insane. Well, you're good at it. You're a good mom. So let's talk about Carter. Well, first, I guess um, your 
talk about Caitlin and um, you got pregnant with Caitlin in 2008. And that was not an easy pregnancy. Correct. Yeah. So my whole life, all I've wanted to do is have babies and be a mama. So I got pregnant and I was like, I think I have the flu because yeah, I'm pregnant. And of course I'm going to be nauseous, but this is miserable. So I had something called a hyperemesis, which is getting more, um, I guess getting more time in the spotlight because of who had it. Was it Princess Kate? Middleton. Kate? Kate. Yeah. Thank you. Kate Middleton. So, um, it's just severe morning sickness. So mine was to the point with my first pregnancy that I needed a pick line, which is kind of a more of a permanent IV. And I got fluid around the clock and Zofran around the clock for a couple months before I was pulled off of it. And I think I was able to keep things down more and keep myself hydrated. So my first pregnancy wasn't the easiest. So, but we knew, Hey, we want more kids. Let's do this again. Um, we, tried to line up some childcare in the event that I was going to be sick again. And I was, and worse, much worse, like 10 times worse. I was in the hospital. How far along was I? Eight weeks, maybe seven weeks. I mean, they were checking to make sure that there was a heartbeat before we went any further. They were surprised that I was still pregnant because I was so sick and so dehydrated and my nutrients were so depleted. They were like, you're, you're, kind of entering the stages of starvation. So I was back on a pick line with um, TPN, which is nutrients through your veins. And so I was on that for six months with my second pregnancy. Um, and it was not fun. Um, I was basically on the couch, had no involvement with my daughter. She would come home and be all sweaty and hot because it was the summer and she'd be playing outside. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't even hug you right now. Just I, everything made me nauseous. It was no bueno. Yeah, it was a long summer. I was a single parent that summer, and uh, I realized pretty fast how hard it is to raise a child on your own, um, and I'll be taking care of you too. Because I remember spiking those pick line bags, um, those TPN bags in the evening. Yeah. And I remember one night in particular, looking down at your knees, and just you had lost so much weight, your knees were very knobby, and just thinking, "Oh my gosh, I hope uh, hope we get through this okay," because you'd seem like you were barely hanging on at that point. Yeah. And ironically, what was keeping me going forward was one, I never want to do this again. I never want to be pregnant again. Blair, don't ever ask me to have any more babies. And we did, but that's another story for another day. Um, and the second thing that was keeping me, um, going was I get a baby at the end of this and I get a cute, precious little newborn and he or she's going to be healthy. This is, has, it's not going to affect the baby. It's just me. That's miserable because that's usually the case with hyperemesis. Um, and unfortunately for us, at our 20-week ultrasound, I convinced Blair, let's find out the gender. That'll help me bond more with this alien life form inside of me that's sucking the life out of me. And I was so excited to find out if it was a boy or a girl, but we found out uh, it was a boy, and Blair was all excited. I'm like, Blair, something's wrong. The ultrasound tech got really quiet, wouldn't look us in the eye. Something's up. So... In comes the doctor, and it's a different doctor than we usually um, met with. And he was in a hurry, kind of sliding us into a schedule. And he was like, he, the baby has Dandy Walker. And we're like, okay, what's that? And he's like, something on the brain. It's not good. It's in. He was talking so fast, and it was so rushed, and it was so confusing. And he was like, you know, your other doctor is going to call you later in the evening to explain further. So we were just sent home with 
something's wrong with your baby's brain. It's not good. And your doctor's going to call later to explain. And it was just kind of like a tailspin. So like just insensitive, really. I mean, it was, I don't know that he meant to be, he was in a rush and I think I was in a state of shock. And so I kept asking the same question over and over again. Cause I was like, I've never heard of Dandy Walker. What is that? It felt cold. It definitely felt cold. Um, in fact, there was a, I think she was a resident there who was there just a shadow and she wasn't allowed to speak to us, but she finally took out a post-it note and wrote Dandy Walker syndrome on the post-it note and just handed it to me because she knew I couldn't remember the sin. I couldn't remember the name and I know she wasn't allowed to speak. So she was just there to observe. Why wasn't she allowed to speak? I'm assuming that was part of just where she was in her training. Oh, and maybe okay. she wasn't even a resident at that point. Maybe she was a med student. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I just know that she was, she wouldn't speak to us. She wasn't allowed. It was very clear. She wasn't allowed to, but she handed me a post-it note. And, um, later that evening, our regular OB called us and walked us through. And of course, by then we had Googled everything. Um, so it kind of, shifted our perspective the whole first half of our pregnancy was poor cat poor me this is miserable I'm miserable but at least the baby's going to be healthy and then very quickly everything our whole world just kind of crashed and the bottom kind of fell out from us yeah I remember I was at work and I knew um that you guys were going to go find out that you know that 20-week ultrasound and Blair so I never found out with any of my pregnancies whether we were having a boy or a girl you guys had not found out with Caitlin. So the fact that you were finding out the gender was new and different for kind of for our family. So we were all kind of on pins and needles knowing today's the day we're going to find out. And knowing how sick you were, uh, you obviously were hoping for a healthy baby, but we were all hoping for a boy because you had a girl and you wanted one of each. And we knew it was probably going to be your last pregnancy. Um, so that's all you were, we were thinking about was we're going to get this phone call and find out if it's a boy or a girl. And I will never forget the phone rang in my office and I picked it up and was so excited. And Blair said, um, are, are you by yourself? Are you at a place where you can talk? And I shut, I said, well, sure. And I went and shut my office door and he explained we're, um, you know, cat's pregnant and we had the ultrasound. Or, I mean, obviously she was pregnant. We're ha- we had the ultrasound and something's wrong with the baby. He has it's a boy and he has dandy walker syndrome. And of course I didn't know what that meant either. So, so in that moment then, you know, where do you, you feel terrible. I can't even imagine the way you felt when you were pregnant. And now you find out that you've got a child who they did. They didn't, they tell you at certain points he may not survive. Yeah. There was so much unknown. Um, we then went to a fetal care center to do, um, lots of extensive testing on him um, and to try to get some more information, but there's still a lot of unknown. So we knew he had brain damage that was within the moderate to severe. And they didn't know, you know, they said, we just have to wait and see. We have to wait and meet him, see what he's going to be able to do. But there was a lot of what ifs. There was a lot of he might not be able to um, swallow the amniotic fluid. So he's probably going to be born premature. And it just depends at what state prematurely he'll be born if that, there will be additional health concerns. So it was kind of like anything was on the table. And um, didn't they, didn't, wasn't there a point when they 
talk to you about terminating the pregnancy? They did, yes. Yeah. So twenty week ultrasound. It was there was a huge rush to get an amniocentesis. I think is how you pronounce it, and try to get as much information as possible because I believe at that time the the law was twenty two weeks. I think you could terminate up to twenty two weeks. So they were in a big rush to get us the information, and we said it's it's not a big deal. We're gonna have the baby no matter what. And they were like, oh God, okay. That gives us a lot of time to get all these appointments in and try and get you some more information. But um, they did bring it up a couple different times and we had to keep saying very clearly. And then it was like enough times that they stopped asking us finally. So Blair, when um, fast forward, then I guess those 20 weeks are really hard because Kat's still really sick. You're still single parenting basically with Caitlin, who at the time was two. That's right. She just turned just two. Just turned two. Just turned two. And um, knowing that you've got this little boy on the way and then talk about when Carter was born and how he, um, you know, just sort of, were you surprised? I mean, what were his abilities in those first couple of years? Yeah. You know, when, when Carter was born, there was a lot of unknowns. We weren't sure what was going to happen. We were told a lot of different things and not a lot of people knew what the direction was going to be. And so he was born, uh, we delivered down in Cincinnati at University Hospital. And then he was transported after a couple of days over to uh, Cincinnati Children's Hospital where we maintained and continued his care. Uh, what was hard was when Kat uh, was still at the hospital, she couldn't leave quite yet. So they left him there as long as possible. Then they moved over to Cincinnati Children's. But yeah, every day we were just waiting to see what was going to be the next step. And after, you know, we did lots of different tests, whether it was a hearing test or uh, visual tests, different things that we could try to do to see if he was able to, to do that. And so there were lots of unknowns. And even uh, eight years later today, there's still a lot of unknowns. And um, so it just takes time to see uh, over time what he's able to do and what he's not able to do. So go going back just a little bit, though, in the hot, cat had a C-section. Uh, so in the in the delivery room, what are you anticipating? I mean, well, we were we were told, um, you know, he was also going to be born with club feet, which I didn't really know what that was. I just knew that it was um, something where his feet were going to be turned up and in. I didn't really know what that looked like. And when he came out, he was really pancaked, out, kind of flopped over um, completely. Uh, his 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 legs were completely flipped up by his head, and then his feet were curled over, just like a cane would be, like you'd see. That's what the club foot term comes in, and so it was a scary scary picture at first um but it didn't matter you loved him because he was your child and you didn't really care you just wanted to make sure that he was going to be healthy and strong yeah I wasn't able to hold him right away but they they prepared me they said you're not gonna be able to hold him we're gonna take him right away to the NICU and so nobody was allowed to hold him right away they wanted him kind of in this oxygenated hood and just to kind of chill out and see can he breathe on his own is he gonna need um help with breathing and he ended up being breathing fine on his own. So that wasn't an issue. But everything was just unknown. He wasn't allowed to nurse right away. They wanted to do an NG tube and then slowly see if he would be able to suck um, from a bottle. And just kind of everything was just baby steps to just see what what was going to be. He had a lot of hair. He did. He was such a pretty baby. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. She was beautiful. He was such a pretty baby. I remember so getting beautiful. pictures of him. He was kind of chunky. And he had beautiful blonde hair. Beautiful blonde hair. They called him Blondie. Yes. In the yes. hospital, didn't yes. they? Yes. Yeah. He I remember was, that. Yeah. Blair yeah. telling me that. Yeah. So 
you know, we I remember just being on pins and needles because we weren't sure. I mean, he was due in January, but knowing that he was supposed to be predicted to be, I should say, premature, you were, we were all kind of like, okay, we've we've made it to it's December. Now it's mid-December. Now it's end of December. Like sounds now it's might be he may, may make it to his due date. Wasn't yeah. his due date the eighth? It was the eleventh. He got evicted. He got evicted early. He yeah. was born a week early, but because it was a planned C-section. So um, crazy. We were waiting, like you said, for him to be born any minute between October and yeah. January when we finally evicted him. So during that whole waiting period and then he's born and he's doing seemingly better than you thought, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, based on what the doctor's predictions, how are you two like functioning as a couple during all of that? Well, that was a long summer and fall. Um, fortunately, the last couple of months, Kat started feeling a little bit better. But all summer long, it was just Caitlin and me. And I would drive her back and forth to the pool, listening to Dora the Explorer playing on the DVD player in the back. But I was really sad because I was sad I was doing it by myself, but I was sad for Kat she wasn't feeling well, of course, but and she was missing some of that. But as she started feeling better, I remember it was October, um, near Halloween, you started feeling better and we were able to go out and check out a few things and do a hayride or something like that, I believe, um, that Caitlin was able to to be there for. And so I started to perk up a little bit in the fall and we started to just get our, our game face on because we knew we had to be ready. Yeah, I think too, once Carter was born, we said, hey, this is it. This is our life. So let's let's do this. It's whatever Whatever happens, happens. And it's all meant to be. It's all part of God's plan for us and for Carter. So, you know, let's give each other a lot of space and grace. And what's interesting is for us, as soon as at 20 weeks, we were told Carter's going to have this brain malformation. We're not sure what his life will look like and how long his life will be. I started grieving immediately. We're, we haven't lost our son, but we lost the hopes and dreams we had for our son. And so um, for me, being a parent with a child with special needs, it's a, it's a roller coaster of grief that doesn't have a set path and you don't know when it's going to twist and turn or when your ups and downs will be. And Blair, I think it's fair to say, has also had some grief because of that as well. But we're on different roller coasters, so to speak, to keep my metaphor um, the same. So I think that being a parent of being in a relationship and raising a kid with special needs is no easy task. It's stressful and it's a huge load to carry, I think. And I think then you're also dealing with grief, but during different times, you're having different highs and lows, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see how that would be the case. Let's just kind of talk about going through from birth until now without, you know, going through every single minute, but of, of Carter's life, how can you kind of explain, um, Dandy Walker syndrome, the impact that it's had on Carter, um, and, and how Carter is functioning now, I guess, Blair, you want to start and then. Well, I think there's no question. I think anybody, including us would say he has far exceeded everybody's expectations. I mean, I think any doctor, was was fearful to commit to that he would be okay or he'd be doing well. They wanted to cover themselves, and they said they basically covered the basis by saying he's going to have moderate to severe special needs. And that's a pretty broad range, and that's scary when you think about that. And over the years, as we've met more families with children of certainly spe- severe special needs, 
there's some very severe special needs, and Carter is not that case. Um, is he as high-functioning as some? No, but he's a lot more higher-functioning than many. And the things that he can do, uh, I look at it as a, as a huge positive that I never thought I'd be able to have a conversation with him and have him actually be able to dialogue back with me and have it be uh, in a way that truly made sense. And that's the case today. After eight years old, I've, I'm blown away with how much he can interact and hold a conversation and, and uh, reply with a sentence that really makes sense and is uh, thoughtful in what he said. And the fact that you see him physically walking with a walker is just extremely encouraging. Yeah, I love that. What you said is it's such a broad range as far as the term special needs and what we were projected with Carter. So in a way we were given a gift because we were kind of prepared for the worst, hoping for the best. And that allowed us to celebrate every little victory, like him sitting up or him um, pulling himself up to stand, him saying his first word. So every small little victory was so big and sweet in our eyes. And we got to truly cherish that. So Carter relatively is is healthy. He's definitely had some setbacks and some um, points where he wasn't healthy or was pretty ill. He's also had a lot of um, surgeries and that has brought a lot of suffering and a lot of struggles to heal and kind of get back to his mobility um, from that standpoint. So Carter overall is doing amazingly well compared to what was projected for him. But he definitely still struggles. He definitely has, I would say, daily aches and pains. He's had a lot of orthopedic surgery, so he's just got a ton of scars. Would you say, Blair? Yeah. I mean, he's had a lot. In the last few years, the, a couple of his bigger surgeries have been pretty major. And especially as we've had four kids now in the last five years. Um, so any surgery now that he has in the last five years have been bigger surgeries in a way because it's more to manage as a family. Um, you know, yeah. when you look at his back surgery that he was in the hospital for almost two months because he ended up with pneumonia, um, that we didn't realize that that was a lot for our family to be able to balance three other kids and you and I going back and forth to the hospital almost every other night for nearly two months. Uh, that was a hard, hard pull on the family. Yeah. And, um, what's recently developed, which is a struggle for us as a family and for Carter, especially is his behavior. Uh, he has started to get frustrated and acts out at home. And it's sometimes very difficult, especially for me, because I'm just boring old mom who's always there and always with him to calm him down and get him to a happy place. And when Carter ain't happy, ain't nobody happy in our house. He runs the show and he can cause quite a stir in quite a hurry. We're all kind of smiling and looking at our audience, live studio audience in the room, which is Caitlin, the older sister, and she's the cutest. Um, and when when Kat just said, when Carter ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, Caitlin smiled and gave us an affirmative nod there. Um, as, you know, as Carter's aunt and watching you guys, um, you know, and having three kids of my own, uh, you know, anyone listening who has children knows that uh, the only thing you pray for, you know, when you're pregnant is that you have a healthy baby, right? You just want a healthy baby. You don't care whether it's a boy or a girl. And watching you guys um, go through what you've gone through and do it with such grace and um, 
and always giving glory to God when there are wins is just really admirable. So if I don't say that enough, I'm, you know, I hope that I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional now, but I'm saying it now. Mm -hmm. And, um, I love Carter. He's changed my life. Certainly. Um, he's changed, he changes, he's changed my kids' lives. You know, they know that, um, I think as a there, I have, uh, they're six and three and four months, but the six and three year old know that something's different about Carter, but I don't think they necessarily know what they don't know what or why, but, um, they think he's really special and they love him. And today, uh, at the, we were going to the children's museum and my oldest said something to the effect of, um, if anybody says anything to Carter, I'm going to say, Hey bro, back off. And, (laughs) and that's like, I think that's how we'll always be with Carter, right? Like the whole family, like you mess with Carter and you're going down. (laughs) The Cornell family is not about to let anything like that happen. So he is, he is loved absolutely for sure. But you guys are just the kind of parents who make sure that he has everything that he needs and, um, and gets the best care that he needs. I know that being at Cincinnati Children's Hospital has given you a great resource because you guys have been very pleased, I think, with their care. Absolutely. But I mean, just ticking through the, the list of things, Carter has a shunt. And so he's had how many brain, literally brain surgeries to, oh, five. luckily, I think just three. Three, I I might three brain surgeries. Though. He's eight off. years old. I mean, that's a lot. Uh, and then obviously this back surgery, the surgery on his legs to, you know, with where he wore, wore casts yeah. for hips, ankles, the whole thing. Yeah. He's the bionic. He is bionic. Bionic babes. Yeah. You're so sweet. I Carter, every kid is a gift, but Carter is an extra special gift. That's why I love the term uh, special needs because there's a lot of needs that come with Carter, but there's a lot of special that comes with Carter. And he is such a gift to, to everyone. I, I, at first I was like, this is my son. And I finally had to realize it's bigger than me and my immediate family that the, the effect that Carter has on everybody is just amazing and incredible. But what a gift for Caitlin to have Carter as a brother, like, and what a gift that Carter has that Caitlin is his older sister and that he has these amazing cousins that will say, Hey bro, don't mess with my cousin. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I I think the, the thing that people, um, people have been, we've been able to do what we have with Carter and he's been able to be so successful because of so many, not just because of us and because of aunts and uncles and because of siblings and because of friends and doctors and everybody else. And, uh, you know, I think that people don't know how to necessarily react around um, a, somebody who has special needs that they, they just aren't as familiar with it. And nobody should ever feel guilty about that. I certainly wouldn't have known how to act eight years ago. And now I do, uh, at least I think, think I do, but, um, you know, it just, it, it has come at a point in time when it has really changed all of us that have been around Carter and interacted with Carter in a way that I'm very thankful for. And I, all, I truly do believe it was a part of God's plan to bring Carter into our life, go through that heartache, and really catapult us into a new phase of life that has allowed us to look at life a lot differently through a different perspective. And we look at it in a way that realize that 
a lot of the things we used to worry about, at least that I used to worry about, I shouldn't worry about anymore because it's just like not that big of a deal. Sister wearing just socks into your car. Maybe so. That's Maybe a not. good point. Yes, getting back to that point, cat. You had to do that, Very didn't you? Point. Sorry, it came full circle. <laughs> it did. It came full circle. circle. You're right. It's all part of God's plan over that 30 year cycle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that does kind of launch us into the next topic, which is Joyride. And so Joyride is a uh, car club exclusively for kids with special needs. Um, Before we move any further, let's address the elephant that I think sits in the room when we say the word special needs. Oh, you had to go there. I think it's a good time. I think for people (laughs) listening, I think it's a good it's a good thing to talk about. So uh, I'll tell you when Blair, when Carter um, was born and years, you know, maybe into his life, two, two years, maybe Blair expressed to the family that he, he really didn't like the term special need. He definitely didn't like the term disabilities. Oh, okay. That's where you're going. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And you also, um, you also felt like even special needs, I think was a term that you didn't, you weren't too fond of and you rather, you'd prefer differing abilities. Is that right? Or well, no, I, I think, you know, special, again, it's everybody says there's the, the common theme and the common term probably is disabilities. That's just the common sweeping statement you hear all the time is uh, what's his disability? What's their disability? Um, and to me, I just don't like that term. I think it's a negative term and I think uh, a differing ability. I heard another mom say that, so I can't take that that um, you can't coin that phrase, but differing ability is a little bit more accommodating, I guess, to somebody that uh, has a differing ability. But I also don't mind special needs because I really do think, to Kat's point, they are special. And there is a special, uh, they do have a special need, whether that's they need help walking, they need help talking, they need help eating. There is a special need that they have that's different than what we may have. So not on my special need. I think it's that's a term we use all the time, which is how we put that into the joyride Joyride website and the Joyride um, one sentence description of it's a car club exclusively for kids with special needs. Okay, so we'll continue to do special needs, but yeah, I, it's the differing abilities versus disabilities, and I like the I, I agree with you. I like differing abilities much better than than disability. Um, so, Joyride car club for kids exclusively for exclusively for kids with special needs. Um, how did that come about? And what is it? Great question. I'm so glad that you asked. So Joyride. It's almost like I planned it. <laughs> so Joyride um, came about on a summer night in 2016. I was driving home from work one evening and I walked in the door and I looked at Kat and she had a very frustrating look on her face, almost tears in her eyes, and just said, I cannot get Carter to calm down. And she was at her wits end, just didn't know what to do next. And I just said, what can I do? And you said, I have no idea, but you got to try to help. And I walked over to Carter and he was, you know, tears were running down his face. He was extremely angry. He's frustrated and just flat out sad. And I didn't really know what to do. Uh, I tried to always pull out a bag of tricks on how I can try to pull him out of that funk. And I thought, hey, Carter, do you want to go for a ride in daddy's convertible? And he looked up at me with like, like a light switch was flipped and just triggered in his mind. And he said, daddy's convertible. And I said, yeah. He said, yeah, let's go. And so I threw him over my shoulder and I remember walking out to the garage and I could still to this day envision that feeling of his little chin bumping on my shoulder that we've all had with children. 
And as I walked out, I carried him out to the convertible. We strapped him in the booster seat and we drove off that night and we were out for probably 45 minutes, almost an hour on a beautiful summer night in 2016. And it was a night I'll never forget. I just watched the frustration, the sadness and the tears just wash right away from his face. And all he had was just was just beaming with sun with with, with a smile on his face with this as the sun hit his face, and I just watched the wind just blowing through his hair, and he was a different kid. And I thought to myself, hey, there's something here that this is a trigger with Carter. And if you think about it, we all really have a trigger, whether that's music or it's cars or whatever it might be. You think about something you do in your life, you probably have a trigger that puts you back in a happy spot. Wine. Wine for cats. Chocolate, same Z's. <laughs> for me as a kid, I've always been big on cars. I've loved cars. I could tell you what cars Yeah, come and in. especially when you don't have, you can't have your socks on in them. That's true. Well, that's, let's take care of them. So I could tell you what cars coming towards us just from the headlights. I just love cars. And Carter has loved cars too. And so whether it's music or cars really with Carter, those are his two biggest triggers. And so that night really triggered this idea that I got to do something with this. And from that moment, I got to work on it. And by the end of that year, we had created a car club exclusively just for these kids with special needs. And let me just tell you a little more um, about Blair. When Blair gets on a mission, Cat, can I, can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> When Blair gets on a mission, there is no turning back. When Blair was a little boy, he would come home and say, I want to get these baseball cards. And my parents would say, okay, yeah, great. Sounds good. Pass the meatloaf. Like, we'll get the baseball cards. No, no, I want to get the baseball cards. Great. Yeah, we'll get the baseball cards. So when are we going to get them? Blair, I don't know. Just like, let's keep eating dinner. When are we going to get the baseball cards though? When are, I mean, what he wears you down to the point of fine, let's just go get, let's just stop eating the meatloaf and go get the baseball cards right now, which makes him a hell of a businessman that he is today and a, the perfect person to be running an organization like Joyride because he, he got this idea in his head and he told uh, our family and my brother, Patrick, who's a very talented web designer, and um, and he told me, who's in PR, and he said, let's all, I have this idea, and I think I'm, I'm going to need you guys to help with some of your resources, and let's make it happen. And it was, um, you know, to use, no, no pun intended, but it was like full throttle, um, and we were we were on, right, for Joyride. And, and so, but without that vision, that's a great, I mean, that's, a gift from God, right? And without that, you'd still be talking about Joyride. How many people have an idea and they're still talking about it two years later? Blair. Not Blair Cornell. Blair's still talking about it. Well, but Blair. It's, a, it's an actual thing now. It's no longer an idea, a concept. It's a reality. How often is he talking about it, Kat? I mean, we've put some ground rules in place. So <laughs> it doesn't come to the dinner table most nights. So I, I, I know that I don't get to ask a joyride question before Kat's at least had her coffee in the morning. So I at true. least let that coffee get down. And as soon as that coffee cup is empty, I know I'm full game to start addressing joyride ideas and topics. You learned that the hard way. <laughs> so Kat, tell us what, so we know that joyride is a car club exclusively for kids with special needs, but flesh that out a little more. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to take this in the right direction, but Blair, obviously we're poking fun at him, total type A personality, but definitely got the job done. Did it first class all the way, pulled out all the stops. I, I dragged my feet 
probably through every step, not to be a naysayer, but just to kind of be a realist and maybe bring them back down or like, do we really need a skydiver? Yeah, cat, it's going to be awesome. Do we really need the drivers to wear pretend race suits? Yeah, cat, it's going to be awesome. So Blair in his full glory, in his type A, really knocked it out of the park and it is first class. And I was not supportive at first. I don't mean to be mean, but it's the truth. But, um, but after you go to an event, it's just straight, it's just awesomeness for these kids. And it's just, you get to love on these kids and just ooh and ah over them. It's all about them. And I hope everybody walks away happy. I mean, I walk away happy and everybody we talk to walks away happy. I hope it's a positive experience for everybody. And it's all about these kids. I mean, when does, when, when else do they ever get to be the stars for the day? So I don't know if that's what yeah, you're going for. No, that's perfect. So yeah, um, talk that. No, I think that's a perfect background. And I know that you were hesitant and rightfully so. He's your husband and he has a full-time job, a busy one. You have four children. Right. Um, poor Brady and Davis. We're going to have to give them a little love here in a minute and talk about how they came to be because we've only addressed Carter and Caitlin and then you have these two other children. <laughs> they that do are, exist. We'll get back to that. But you know, you you were re- a realist and saying, I don't know that you have time to devote to this nonprofit organization um, outside of the family. But Blair, talk us through what happens at a Joyride event. So at a Joyride event, what we do is we go 100% first class VIP status the whole way. Um, growing up, I've had the privilege of being able to do some pretty cool things and being spoiled by my mom and dad. And so I've gotten a taste of what it's like uh, to really be pampered and be able to do something fun. Not all the time do we do that, but a few times and it was really something memorable. So that's what really drew me into this idea of, yeah, we can create a car club, but can we really create a first class, truly one of a kind, high end car club? And so when we do this, we really, we try to encourage the most rare high end cars to come to the events, just because not that every car is not a fun car. And quite frankly, probably most of these kids really don't care what car they're in. But I did, and I, I knew we only had so many spots to be able to fill for these drivers. So we really just try to cater to extremely high end cars cars that you just don't see every day on the street. Like what kind of cars? Are we talking like Hondas and um, Corsicas? Exactly. Yes, you're exactly right. No, we, no we, what kind of cars? We have, typically we'll have Lamborghinis or Ferraris or Maseratis, uh, Bentleys, just cars you don't see rolling by every day. Maybe if you live in LA or New York, you, you get a little bit more of a taste of it. But in the Midwest, you just don't see that car going by every day. So I, I wanted it to be an event that these kids could come to and feel like this just doesn't happen every day. And to Kat's point, what else do we do? We try to have it feel just like a race theme, whether the car drivers are dry, wearing their race suits or we have somebody singing the national anthem. We have a skydiver diving in with the American flag. I mean, I wanted this to feel like this was a big time event that just doesn't happen every day and that somebody had really put some thought into it because it was an opportunity for these kids truly to feel like the big shot and be able to enjoy a time where everybody was in awe that they got to be a part of it. And everybody else got to be left out because oftentimes, if not all times, these kids are on the outside looking in. And this was an opportunity for them to be on the inside and everybody to be looking in at them really in envy that they get to be part of it and nobody else did. They walked on the red carpet too and everybody cheers and claps for them and calls their name. It's so cool. Yeah, I was going to mention the red carpet. It is really cool. So yeah, so these kids come in and all these cars, Bentleys, Maseratis, Ferraris, um, 
you know, Lamborghinis that like, like Blair said, you don't see everywhere are all parked and family members are allowed to walk around with their kids. And I mean, these, the drivers of these cars that cost, I don't know, Blair, hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases. In some cases, millions of dollars. We had a car at the last event that was worth 1.2 million. Right. So, I mean, you know, somebody who buys a car that's $1.2 million cares about cars, right? And these are people who are volunteering their time on a Saturday morning for kids they don't know, kids that they may not have any connection with. And some of these drivers probably don't even have any connection to kids with special needs. And yet they've come together for this one day to volunteer their time and to let kids, not kids, get into their car. I mean, kids throw up. Kids have accidents. <laughs> like get into cars that have that are have a price tag of in some cases a million dollars. I mean, it's 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 amazing. It's it's beyond generous. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I don't know in some cases who's having more fun. If the kids are having more fun or the drivers are having more fun. <laughs> and I think it's a transforming experience for a lot of them uh, where they show up and they don't really know what to expect. They've seen some videos. They've heard some friends talk about it. But then they show up and they just kind of jump right in. And in fact, one story really jumps out to me, which was at our very first event, quite frankly. It was a, it was a pretty amazing experience. Uh, we were one car short with about a day or two left uh, before we had to cut off our reservations uh, because we had to start finalizing. And uh, this, this guy reached out to me. He was referred to Joyride from a friend. He had an amazing uh, Lamborghini um, that uh, was just an unbelievable car. And he came to the event. And he really didn't know what to expect. And when we he showed up to the event, he was telling me a little bit about his car and how excited he was to be there, but also that he was going through a lot in his life. He had some personal things going on and some things with his company that just were really weighing on him and it had been a stressful year. And as the event went on, I really watched him just light up and just really get into the event. And he was just having a blast. I think he truly was having more fun than all the kids he was driving. Uh, but the, after the event was concluding, when it was concluding, I watched him as a little kid came over to him and wanted to get his picture taken with him. And this kid uh, went up to him and was talking kind of quietly. So uh, this driver got down and uh, knelt down next to him and said, so what's going on? What's, uh, wh what's on your mind? And he said, you know, I I've got this, this, uh, this treatment coming up that I'm really scared about. And, um, you know, in addition to all these needs this kid had, he had also some cancer that he was trying to fight, which was a major undertaking for his family to make sure they could get through this. And he was very scared. And the kid was telling him all about it. And this driver leaned down to him and said, you know, I've got a lot going on too in my life. And I actually have some medical issues myself that I'm fighting through. And I want to give you something that's going to help you over the next couple of months when you go through that. And he took his hat off and he put his hat right on this little kid. And he said, this is my magic hat. And this will protect you and get you through all of your treatments to get you back to be healthy again. And as, as I watched that that interaction go down, I could see all the people around them watching just in tears. And this driver had truly just melted in front of him and to help this kid to have a better day. And the kid walked away with his hat on and you could just see he felt like he was going to be a stronger kid because he was wearing this guy's magic hat. That's a guy who gets it. He got it. Yeah, it was an amazing day. And that happens at every event. Typically, we'll have a couple drivers that just get emotional and it's a moving day for everybody. So we've, I mean, Joyride has continued to grow, um, five events now under mm -hmm. your belt. Yep. And, um, the first four were in Dayton, Ohio, where Blair and Kat are from this, this last one, um, was, which was in August was in, um, Cincinnati. 
great turnout. Um, and I mean, biggest turnout yet, right? For drivers and for kids. How many, yeah, dri- how many yeah. drivers did you guys have? We, we increased, we had uh, 30 drivers at the last event, which is, which was 10 more than we usually have. And I think just, I, I really want to just kind of tick through the way one of these events works. Cause I feel like Blair and Kat are so close to it that it's hard to give it credit. Um, but you know, they have these cars, like I mentioned that are all these exotic cars that are, are lined up and they, the cars roll are announced. Blair, Blair announces them with, you know, all of this enthusiasm. He announces the driver's names and the car they're driving in and they come in and there's fog that's, um, you know, it's smoke. What's that thing called? The, CO2 cannon. Yeah. Shooting. A CO2 cannon shooting. It's like and, an NFL announcement when yes, they come out and there's music <laughs> playing and there's an MC and, um, and then there is a skydiver, several skydivers who, who jump out of airplanes. One of them with the American flag while the national anthem's being played. And, and then, the other with a joyride flag. And the other with a joyride flag. And then, um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, start your engines and the engines roar and kids get in the cars and they, they cruise around this track, um, at how many, what, 20, 20 or 25 miles an hour. I'm sure there's some legality on how fast they're allowed to <laughs> That's go, right. but I mean, it is amazing. And these kids love it. How many kids did you guys have at your last event? We had 126 kids at the last event, which, which was, was our a, biggest yet. Right. So the word is spreading regionally and nationally about Joyride. Um, you're, you're planning your next event for next month, right, Kat? That's right. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> We're going to do it monthly now. Yeah, monthly. Yeah, yeah. Because yes. yeah. it, it doesn't take any work. No, I mean, no time at all. Coast no, how coast. many volunteers do you guys have at Joyride Events? Uh, we typically need about 120 or more to run an event. That's, that's what we found. That's a whole is, lot. Of, and that doesn't include the drivers? No, not including the drivers. So with the drivers, we're talking about 150. Right. Wow. I mean, that is crazy to get, a hun- again, 150 people who some of them may have zero connection to kids with special needs, zero connection to any of the kids who are there, and they're all there volunteering their time. I have to give one shout out to one of your friends, Matt Hopes. Oh, yeah. Matt's a great guy. He is a great guy. And great col- friend. Oh my gosh. Talk about a good friend. Like he comes in every year from North Carolina Mm -hmm. to help you run logistics for Joyride. Yeah. He hasn't missed an event yet. Flies in from Charlotte, spends two nights with us. Uh, Typically I'm a little uh, bit of a bridezilla the the night or two before the event while Kat and Matt are usually trying to calm me down and make sure everything's all in order. Is that right, Kat? Did you validate that? No comment. No comment. (laughs) But you know what? Bridezilla or not, the events go off without a hitch they're perfect. Yeah, they're great. I mean, they're very smooth. And Matt, like you said, he's a huge part of that. He has helped us with a a lot with logistics and thinking through some last minute stuff. And he's such an amazing asset. And he kind of takes shoulders a lot of the burden. So Blair doesn't carry it all around because I'm I try to help, but I also have the kids with me. So I'm not let's be honest, I'm not much help. Yeah, right. You're not much help. You're just managing four children, one who has special needs. But outside of that, you're no help at all, Kat. <laughs> if Kat can help, usually you're helping in a way of checking in. Same kids that show up that day that want to register and learn more about it because yeah. you know exactly what's going on and how to get them. Right. And you can do it with a cheerful smile and a and a big heart. I try. I try. <laughs> yeah, but the point of mentioning Matt is just that he, you know, Blair and Kat have made this impact on people and on, on their friends. And so to get someone to come every year, you know, from North Carolina to fly in, who he has three kids of his own, um, to give up his time 
you know, people care about Joyride. People care about the Cornell family. People care about Carter. Um, and you guys are making an impact. Thank you. We, we like to do, it's just one way of giving back to the community. So where do you see, uh, well, and in the show notes, we'll link to um, joyridecars.org. And we will also, um, on the website, there is a video um, that shows, gives you a flavor for a Joyride event because it just doesn't do it justice until you've seen it. Um, so we encourage all, all of you listening to go on and, um, and take a look at that video and see some of the media coverage that um, Blair and Kat have, uh, Joyride has received um, because, you know, people, like I said, people are, um, people are, are in- interested in it, are attending it. And it's the word is spreading so much so that let's talk about Walmart. Yeah, that was a thrill. Uh, we were asked to be a part of a commercial with Walmart. I really have to give my brother and sister-in-law props for that one. Cause they're the ones who invited us to be part of that. I was, uh, in San Francisco at a meeting, got a phone call late that night. Uh, before I was supposed to head home the next morning from Kat, who said, hey, has Brendan called you yet? And I said, no, what are you talking about? She said, well, he's going to be calling you any minute. Just take the call. It's You're going to be really excited. So none, no more than two minutes later, Brendan calls, says, hey, we've got an opportunity. I want to know if you're good with this. And if you are, if you can help us. And Brendan and Ashley run an amazing company where they produce uh, hydration water bottles. And it's a company they started a few years ago and uh, called 50 Strong. Uh, it's an unbelievable company, 100% manufactured here in the U.S., and they do amazing things, and they give back to a lot of organizations, one of which is Joyride, where they give us water bottles that we give to the kids that come to our events, which we call members. So the members of Joyride are the kids. They get these water bottles. So long story short, Brendan and Ashley were going to be featured on this Walmart commercial, who they're very close with, and it was about featuring a, a company that was 100% manufactured here in the U.S. and how they are then using their success to pay it forward to a nonprofit here in the U.S. And they had chosen us to be a part of that. Uh, they had actually chosen another nonprofit, a larger nonprofit, that was unable to fulfill that or, or had to back out the last minute, and we were able to fill that, that bill at the last minute for them. So we came on, and we did a surprise thank you to one of their designers, Mackenzie Fry, who's an amazing designer that helps build these water bottles for us. Um, but yeah, I flew down to San Francisco, I flew down to Los Angeles, shot this surprise commercial with Walmart, and it aired nationally for 30 days, which was pretty cool to see. Uh, you can always see yourself on a YouTube clip, and that's cool, but when you actually see it at a commercial when you're watching Shark Tank or <laughs> some of these other main shows, big time shows, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really, really well done and gave um, 50 Strong and Joyride um, just a nice, a nice plug. I mean... Hey, when Walmart calls and wants you in their commercial, you typically answer the phone. <laughs> you usually we'll, don't get too many of those shots. Yeah. We'll link 50 Strong too in the show notes. I have a 50 Strong water bottle that I was drinking out of just today. So um, yeah, they make great products. Um, yeah. So national, some national attention, obviously regional attention. What is the long-term goal for Joyride? Well, it depends if you ask Blair, if you ask Kat, and we can do that in two parts if you'd like, but. I love that the first half we were dogging Blair and now we're dogging Cat. Hey, what goes around comes around. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. I I earned that. I deserve that. I would say the long-term goal for Joyride is TBD. And that is just a matter of ultimately with any nonprofit comes down to funding. And that's really our biggest need. If somebody said, what's your biggest need with Joyride? Ultimately, it's money. And that just is what drives the engine of where it's going. 
And really by that, what I mean is, you know, Kat and I and our family and our team that we've created, we could certainly handle a Dayton, Cincinnati, who knows, maybe Indianapolis or Columbus, kind of a, a, in that sphere of being within a couple hour drive, that's probably manageable. But beyond that, it's very difficult for, you know, a family with already four kids, me as a business owner, Kat as a full-time mom and doing many other things outside of that. Uh, that's pretty difficult to try to come up with the resources and the time to be able to promote it be much beyond that. But if we were able to get the funding um, and we were able to grow like I want, then we would probably start hiring a team of people that could really help to launch it. Because I really would love if Joyride was spread all across the country so that every kid in every city could be able to experience what the kids in Dayton and Cincinnati have been able to experience. And I'm making it my mission to get Joyride to Indianapolis on the Motor Speedway. That would be fantastic. I think it really can happen. Cool. That'd be yep, very cool. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. And so when you talk about funding, I don't want to, you know, give you, make this feel uncomfortable for you all, but it is a nonprofit mm-hmm. and all of the, I mean, the banners and the CO2 cannons and the, the driver's uniforms and the MC, I mean, you, you all fund that. You're not. Well, there's other donors, but we have definitely helped get it up and running yeah but you know i mean it's you're not looking for uh, any money is you're operating as a nonprofit. Yeah, so we don't have, have no anybody on salary yeah 100 exactly. of the proceeds 100 tax deductible 100 of the proceeds go right back into the organization which ultimately benefit every one of those kids right do you when is the next joyride event do you have that one planned we don't have our calendar laid out yet for 2020. Nothing left for this year. We're done for the year. We are um, going to take a little sabbatical, and Cat's at least Cat is going to. I will continue <laughs> to work on what it silently in the night. Silently <laughs> in the <laughs> While nobody can detect that I'm working on Joyride, I try to be pretty covert. But um, while we're doing that, uh, yes, funding's a key part, but I, I would say next year we'll start to have our dates figured, figured out sometime in early January, late late February. But the latest. events will be in the summer. Yes, in the summer of 2020. So we know that Joyride, um, you know, has all of these great features like a CO2 cannons and cars and an MC and skydivers. Um, but the whole point is to impact kids, obviously. So can you speak to that, Kat, as a, you know, you talked earlier about how um, being a parent of a special needs child is a roller coaster. So I assume that you talk to some of these other parents of special needs children who are attending the events. And um, what is the impact that they say Joyride has on their kids? We've heard so many awesome stories, lots of positive feedback. The parents are loving it themselves. They feel so valued when they come and the kids are just looking forward to it all year long. So many parents tell us, this t-shirts are amazing. The kids want to wear them every day. A lot of parents have to buy extra t-shirts just to have as backup in case the one that they we give them is dirty. So yes, lots of amazing experiences we think for the kids, but also for the families as well. They just feel valued and loved. And that's our main point. And you were telling me about one kid specifically who's worn his t-shirt for doctor's appointments. Yes. There's a child, uh, the mom shared that he had a whole day of doctor's appointments and it wasn't going to be a fun day. So he decided he was going to wear his joyride shirt to the hospital just to make it feel a little extra special. So, you know, making an impact beyond just that one day um, is something you guys are seeing and that's proof 
that's happening. Absolutely. You know, joy, Joyride is more than just uh, an event or the cars um, or just an exciting atmosphere. It's it's a community that we're trying to create where we're bringing awareness and uh, we're really creating a brand, which is a family um, that we're all in this together. And in fact, that's how the Joyride logo came about was when I was sitting down with the designer uh, who's amazing, Seth Sampson, to give him a shout out. He does amazing work. He does all of our branding, whether it's the flags or the shirts or anything that goes into that. And what Seth and I talked about initially was trying to build this in a way of a really high-end look and feel like like a car logo might look like a Ferrari or Lamborghini has a shield, but also a shield of strength like Superman. If you think about what these kids go through, they're battling and fighting each and every day um, just to have exciting excitement in their life and to really make it through the day. And so the, the logo was really created in a way of looking uh, like a high-end car logo, but more so uh, of a shield of, of strength and power and something that gives them the feeling that they're a part of. And in fact, in the in the logo, the year 2016 jumps out um, and is on the logo. And that certainly is the established date, but it was more than that. That was really when the story came to life of Joyride uh, on that summer night that I drove home and really watched Carter's life be changed and just by taking him on a simple car ride. And the story really began, though, in 2011 when Carter was born. True. That's absolutely right. Didn't know about Joyride at the time, but uh, I guess that was all part of the plan uh, in the making. All right. Well, let's jump to the end of the podcast questions. Um, we could probably talk for hours and hours more about um, about Joyride and about Carter and about your family and the plans for the future. But in the interest of knowing that people don't have hours and hours to listen to us. <laughs> We're very interested. We are. We are. Um, so end of the podcast questions. One that we like to ask all of the, our, um, guests is, is, um, what is something that you're loving right now? Well, I think with, with anything, uh, time is probably the most, one of the most valuable assets that we all have. And so one of the things I'm loving right now, uh, is just being able to spend Fridays away from the office and whether I'm working a little bit on joyride on Fridays, which tends to be the case. Um, but also spending a lot of time with Kat and making sure that we have quality time, just the two of us, to be able to go for a walk and talk and just be together without the distractions of life and kids. Yeah, we're pretty spoiled right now. Blair's been able to flex his schedule at work so that he's home on Fridays. And like he said, he does work on Joyride, which is great, um, but it also carves out some extra time as a couple and with our younger kids home and just some special special time before the chaos of the weekend ensues. Yeah, I love that. Um, what is a recipe that you guys have? You know, as we've talked about, <laughs> we're the, this podcast formed out of our supper club. Um, and so we like to talk about recipes and what's one recipe you guys would want to share with our listeners? Well, I think before you share a recipe, we should probably think about starting a DoorDash club because that seems like that would be our common theme among our friends. The Papa right John's now. club. The Papa, Papa John's, John's club. They do save your favorites in their app. I'm just throwing that. That is my recipe. The Papa. The Papa. Call the Papa. You should tell them about that. Okay. Cat. So we use a service locally in Dayton called Kate's Plate, and it's amazing. It's a meal prep kit that comes to your door on Mondays. And there's simple instructions to follow everything sliced and diced, and you just have to cook it. Usually the meals are 30 minutes or less to prepare. So that's my kind of recipe. That's what I enjoy. But the joke in our house is 
do we have a Kate's plate for dinner tonight or not? Is it a Kate's plate or a cat's plate? Because if it's a cat's plate, the dinner <laughs> looks a little different. Anything from cereal, maybe a bowl of yogurt. I don't know, maybe frozen pizza. Any, there's lots of variety in cat's plate, but we all prefer Kate's plate in our house. Is Kate's plate um, national or just in Dayton? Just in the Dayton, Cincinnati area. So if you're listening and you're from that area, Google it. It's amazing. Give it a try. We can put that in the show notes. But yeah, so it's kind of like prep dish or... Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. Those are huge time savers. Yes. We love it. Love it. That's a great, that's a great recipe to share. <laughs> I think there are probably a lot of people listening who are thinking, I don't have time to be, do an in-depth recipe, but I'd have time for that. That's the dog. If you hear that noise in the room, that's Remy. So this is the Illuminate podcast, as you know. And so we like to ask our guests, what is something or someone that you would like to see illuminated? So this sounds corny and quite on topic, but I'm going to illuminate and give a shout out to parents of special needs children. Um, All parents are amazing and um, parenting is not for wimps, but having a child with special needs takes it to the next level. So I'd like to illuminate them. I'm not, I'm not giving myself a pat on the back and giving everyone else a pat on the back. Life is hard and we all need to uh, be there for each other and cheer each other on. I think you can give yourself a pat on the back. No. no. I think that's, I think I'd give both of you a pat on the back. You're so sweet. I'll take it. (laughs) Just take it. (laughs) You earned it. Um, All right. Last question and probably one of my favorites. If you could give one message to the world, what would it be? Well, the message that uh, I have grown to try to live by over the last few years in the creation of Joyride is not a message that I can take credit for, but it's a quote by Maya Angelou, which is, People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. And if you think about that, everybody's felt different ways by being impacted through different experiences. And you probably did forget what people had said to you or what they did, but you remember how you felt in that moment. And that's what Joyride is trying to create is an experience where people feel really loved and that they feel cared for. And that's how I try to live my life is just to try to live in a way that people will remember how I made them feel. Well, there you go. To say I'm a proud little sister would be an understatement. While we touched on this briefly, we never got back around to talking about Blair and Kat's two other kids, Brady and Davis. Kat's extreme sickness during her pregnancy with Carter prevented her from ever carrying more children. But thanks to modern medicine and a gestational carrier, Brady and Davis were born in 2013 and they complete the Cornell family. If you'd like to learn more about Joyride, visit joyridecars.org. You can also check them out on Instagram at joyridecars.org and on Facebook at joyridecars. To learn more about the Illuminate podcast, go to theilluminatepodcast.com or find us on Instagram at the Illuminate Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, we will gladly take your five-star rating over on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>